Well, the last couple of Sundays, I've been saying that the holiday season is upon us. It's inching closer. Well, we're past all that now. The holidays are at your front door, kicking it in. It's coming in this week, whether you're, whether you're ready for it or not. And I, and I hope we're all going to be ready. As a matter of fact, we've kind of taken on a challenge of how we approach the holidays in a way that we can have our best holidays ever. That's a big challenge, isn't it? You know, I started thinking about what, what makes the best holidays ever. And, and you know, I can think of, and I, and I bet you can too, you, you've got favorite Christmases in mind, right? Maybe it's a certain year, oh, the Christmas of 98, or, or a, maybe a place you went to, or the way you celebrated, or something particular about it. But when I started thinking about my, my favorite Thanksgiving, and this might sound a little strange, a- absolutely nothing came to mind. And, and like Thanksgiving is like one of my favorite holidays. I, it kind of rivals Christmas for me. Because if you think about it, Thanksgiving actually has a lot that Christmas has without the stress and the cost, right? And, and, and so, I mean, Thanksgiving's a good day. I love Thanksgiving Day. But none stands out to me. And I say, why, why, why do I not have a favorite Thanksgiving? Why, why can I not call one out? And then it, it dawned on me, at least I think for me in my home, all of our Thanksgivings are identical. I mean, we eat the exact same menu for probably 20 or more years now. I, I am guessing, I, I really believe this, within 15 minutes, I bet we eat at the exact same time every single Thanksgiving. We take the nap at the exact same time. We watch the same movie. We have a tradition on Thanksgiving evening, the movie we're going to watch as of him. I mean, it is the same, the same, the same. All good, but none of them stand out because they're, they're all exactly the same, ex- except one. There is, there, I said there's none that stand There is one, but it's not really in the category of the best ever. It's, it's on that other end of the spectrum. You know what I'm talking about? And it started out so good. Karen has a, a, a sister. She actually has two sisters, and we'll leave her nameless uh, for this story. But uh, she is a sweetheart, and she's always, always wanting to bless and, and do things for others. And she brought several family units together for, for Thanksgiving. And, and she brought us all in to, to Hilton Head. Now, I don't know about you. I'd celebrate any holiday in Hilton Head. Columbus Day, St. Patrick's Day, any, any flag day. Let's go to Hilton Head. Uh, I mean, that's a, that's a good place to have a holiday. So we're all getting there, you know, Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday night. And, of course, big days the next day. So she wanted to make sure there was food and, and that we would have what we needed for, for Thanksgiving. So she called the store and had set aside, you know, kind of a, a menu and everything. And she ordered a couple of fresh turkeys. Now, I thought fresh meant that they'd never been frozen. Fresh actually means straight from the pit of hell. Because that's where these turkeys came from. Pure poison. Uh, now, they tasted great. They cooked great. But about 2 a.m. that night, it all started to go downhill. Or maybe I should say down the toilet. But that's, you know, I think we've got enough thinking about that particular Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, see what happens when you don't do things the same? Don't change anything. Just leave it, leave it the same. It's safer that way. So anyway, back to the working on the best, the best ever. So we've, we've said there's three words. Three words, three steps uh, to getting to, to attaining this best holiday ever. Our first step, our first word was confess. Probably not a word that comes to our mind when we're thinking of fun and the best. But man, such a necessary word. 
And, and I hope you were encouraged if you were here a couple of Sundays ago that, that when we looked at confess, we realized that in the act of confession, we're not begging for God's forgiveness. We're, we're not pleading for him to, to love us again. Obviously, it's not fun to think about these less than good things in our life. It's not fun to think about the wrong things that we've done. And, and yes, a lot of times the way we relate with each other, that, that, that can separate us for good. But that's not what we're doing in confession with God. You don't have more of his love after you've confessed. You don't have confess, forgiveness after you've confessed. We have that in Christ Jesus. He's the one who keeps us in a state of, of pleasing God. And so we're not begging and pleading in confession. What we're doing in confession is stepping back into the love that God has for us. We're stepping back into the forgiveness that is already there. As I, I've said a couple of times in confession, we're, clear, we're clearing the garbage out of the way that we've put between us and God. So we said, hey, let's confess. Let, let's repent. And so we knocked out the first step. Then our second step, we moved from confess to bless. To bless. And you know, this time of year, we, we think of bless or, or blessing. We, we think of counting our blessings, counting the, the good things going on in our lives, the, the good things we have received. And I think Jesus kind of counts on the fact that we all know what it feels like to receive something we enjoy, right? We know that good feeling. And so then Jesus says, hey, you know, there's something even better than that. There's nothing wrong with receiving. Don't be ashamed of receiving. Enjoy your receiving. But, but if you're looking for somewhere to go, even from there, what did Jesus say? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Not wrong to receive. There's just something above it. And that's giving. And so we left last Sunday with a challenge to bless five. Are you all working on your list? Yeah, I was praying for like 1,500. It maybe looks like God missed a couple zeros. Maybe 15 of us are working on that. Come on, y'all. Let's, let, let's go out there and, and bless five. I've got two done. I'll say two and a half. On the third one, I just need to, it's, it's about to happen. Just need to pull the trigger. But uh, two more to go, and I think they're going to happen by Thanksgiving. So let's work on blessing five, giving somebody else Something to be thankful for as they move toward Thanksgiving Day. So we've got confess, we've got bless, and our third word. I mean, don't you kind of half anticipate it has to rhyme? I mean, at this point, I'm kind of committed with two words. I mean, you can't say confess, bless, and mop. Mop doesn't, doesn't, doesn't rhyme, right? Okay, so what, what would rhyme? Confess, bless, hey, no surprise here, thankfulness, Thankful, oh, that, yeah, thankfulness, it rhymes, you know, probably not real surprised by the word, especially this time of year, Thanksgiving, right? What you might be surprised by is how incredibly vital, um, critical, and significant thankfulness is to your life. I mean, to your well-being on this planet, to, to your walk and relationship with the Lord. Let me shape some of that for you and, and, and show you the scripture developing that. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. It's at the beginning of your Bible, five books in. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 8. And just to give you a little context of of what we're reading and where we are when we're reading this. You, you might be familiar with a guy named Moses. 
pretty big name in the Bible. And, and Moses goes into Egypt under God's call and with God's power to lead the Israelites out, to lead them out of slavery. And he does that with quite a few of the really, really big miracles of the Bible. I mean, these are, these are some big moments in Scripture. And so he leads them out of Egypt. They go into the wilderness and they're making their way to the promised land. And would you believe when they got to the promised land, they, they chose not to trust God which is just crazy because they just saw God do all these miracles. They just saw what God could be for them, what, what God could do for them. You know, isn't it amazing? I, I, I bet most of us in here at one time or another, we've said, boy, if God would just do this, I could believe. Boy, if I could hear God, if I could see God, if, boy, if he did this miracle, I would believe. Trust me, folks, there's, there's two million Israelites that would tell you, nah, you'll, you'll get over it. You, you can absolutely choose to not believe God even when he does these dramatic miracles in your life. So they, they get up to the promised land, they fail, they end up wandering around in the desert for 40 years. And now what we're coming up on, the 40 years is over. They are literally at the doorway. They're walking into the promised land. Two million strong. I mean, you, you kind of need to imagine them. They're, they're days away. They're feet. They're just feet away from crossing into the best land ever. The, the, the best place to live ever. The, the best life ever. That, that's what's in front of them right now. And so Moses is about to say goodbye because he's not going to be going with them. And so he starts to kind of rehearse, kind of review some of the commands, the teachings of God, the different things that, that God has given them. As a matter of fact, that word Deuteronomy literally means second law. There's a good bit in Deuteronomy that is repeating what we would have heard in Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers. He, he's going over that all again. And in the midst of doing that, he's, it's kind of like he says, you know, I've walked with you guys for 40 years. I know what you're like. And so he gives some warnings. And so kind of hear Moses in that vein. I've walked with you guys for 40 years. Chapter 8, verse 11. Chapter 8, verse 11 says this. But that is the time to be careful. What time? When you're having your best holiday ever. That's the time to be careful. When, when you're having the best moment, the best year, the best relationship, the, the best gift. In the middle of that, man, be careful. Beware that in your plenty, you do not forget the Lord your God. You know, I don't know about y'all. I always, I always find that command to be one of the... That's just sad, isn't it? It's sad. Isn't it sad that we have to be told that? That we have to be told not to forget the Lord? I mean, surely we're not going to do that. You know, next Sunday, we'll, we'll come back here after Thanksgiving and, and we're going to share in the Lord's Supper and have communion uh, together. And of course, in, in that story, as Jesus is having that with the disciples, kind of some famous words come out of that. Do this in remembrance do this in remembrance to me it's just a fancy way of saying hey guys don't don't forget me okay don't don't forget who i am don't forget my love for you specifically don't forget what i did for you at the cross and i mean i don't know about y'all but i want to say jesus you're kidding come on i'm not gonna i'm not gonna forget that and yet it's one of the most common commands in scripture over and over and over we're told don't 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 forget don't forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands and regulations and decrees that I'm giving you today. Verse 12. 
For when you have become full and prosperous, isn't it sad? The moment our belly is full, that's when we forget. That kind of makes us simpletons, doesn't it? <laughs> doesn't take much for me just really not need God. I just got a full belly. I'm, I'm, you know, everything's good in life right now. Uh, the moment you've become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be, be careful. That's the exact moment to be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God. This is the second time we're being told that. Who rescued you from the slavery in the land of Egypt. Verse 15. Do not forget. It's the third time. Do not forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions where it's so hot and dry. He gave you water from the rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. He did all this so you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember, that's the fourth time. Don't forget, remember, acknowledge, remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. Don't, don't forget. You need to acknowledge. And, and when, we, when we do forget, when we don't acknowledge, and that means we're not giving thankfulness, Right? I mean, folks, to acknowledge is just simply saying, hey, God, I, I, I acknowledge you. I acknowledge your existence. I, I acknowledge this planet is yours. I acknowledge that this day is yours. I acknowledge that I am yours. I acknowledge the church is yours. I acknowledge that my best days, my worst days, they're all yours. And, and in acknowledging that, the most natural next sentence is, thank you. Th- th- thank you. I mean, acknowledging gratitude go, go hand in hand. And, and when we do not acknowledge, when we don't remember, you know what happens? We start to take credit. We, we take credit for what God has done. We, we take credit for what He has provided. J- just a little simple thing as not remembering. When, when I don't remember, when I, when I don't give thanks, it's a very short trip, a very short fall into saying, I did all this. I, I, I did all this. I, I gave myself life and breath and strength. It's my wisdom. It's my hard work. Hey, turkey dinner wasn't provided by the Lord. I went to work for that. I've got the paycheck for that. I deposited it. I had to go get it. I had to pick it up. It's my strength, it's my wisdom, it's my work, it's my effort, it's my creativity, it's, it's my award, it's my achievement. It's I, I, I. Folks, it's pride. Gratefulness guards against pride. Now, now why do I need something guarding against pride in my life? You know, this summer we looked at, at promises of God. Some of you, I imagine, a lot of you were here for that. And we walked through and looked at great promises. Promises we want to see God fulfill in our lives. You know, and it dawned on me that I never once in that series mentioned, do you know there's actually promises in the Bible you don't want to see God fulfill? Because God promises that he'll bring down the proud. God promises he will bring down the arrogant and the boastful. That's not a promise I want God fulfilling in my life. Well, well, what keeps me from getting in that position? Gratefulness, acknowledging, 
But when I'm not doing that, it's just very natural that I start to think, I, 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 and I set myself up in opposition to God. Now, why would, why would pride be such a big deal for God? Because pride is the issue, pride is the word that opens the door to every single sin out there. You see, it's pride that leads me to saying, I don't need anybody telling me what to do. I don't, I don't need to know what you think about relationships. I don't know what you need to think about money. I don't need to know what you think about stealing. I, I don't need you telling me what's okay. I don't need you telling me what's wrong. I can decide that for myself. I, it's pride that leads the way to that. Let me show you how, how Scripture points to this. Turn to Romans Romans chapter 1, you're kind of going near the end of your Bible now, about three-fourths of the way through it, past the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts, and then Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 28. Romans 1, verse 28. It says, since they thought it was foolish to acknowledge God. Hey, we're, we're, we're right back where we just were, right? You, you know, when Moses led them out, that was about 1400 B.C. This is being written, Paul's writing to the, to the church in Rome, and he's writing them in the first century A.D. This is about 1500 years later. 1500 years have gone by, and we're still dealing with the same issue. Hey, we're, we're still dealing with just a simple act of acknowledging God, of being grateful to God. That they thought it was foolish, since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God. And he's not talking particularly to the Romans, just mankind in general, how we act. He abandoned them to their foolish thinking, and he let them do the things that should never be done. Folks, God works to stand in the way of you and the sin you're choosing. Because he knows the destruction, he knows the death, he knows the confusion and the chaos that it brings into your life. But sometimes you and I, we put ourselves in a place where we just, you know, we just continue to ignore God, rebel against God and reject God. And at a certain point, and this is what verse 28 is saying, at a certain point, God will just step out of the way and say, okay. I'm not, I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to kidnap you and bring you into a right relationship with me. I'm not going to tie you up and, and make you do right. God gives us freedom. He gives us a free choice. And, and when we continue just to fight him on the choices we want to make, he says, okay. And, and he, he just steps out of the way and he lets us run to the sin that we want. And look what comes flooding into our lives. Verse 29. Their lives become full of every kind of wickedness. Sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They're backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, they break their promises, they're heartless and have no mercy. That's a horrible list, isn't it? Where did it start? Where, where does all that bad come from? Since they refused to acknowledge God. It, it started from something as simple as, I don't need to acknowledge, I don't need to give thanks. And looks what comes flooding into our life. And I don't know about y'all, but I look down there and I feel like, well, hey, I just described the United States of America. How, how did we get to all? We're such a good people. This is such a good land. Hey, we're the best nation ever. 
Hey, when you're going after the best ever, when you're enjoying the best ever, what did Moses say? Be careful. Be careful. That's exactly when you forget. And that's exactly when you start to credit yourself. Uh, another passage, just want to kind of continue to develop this theme. Go to 2 Timothy, to your right. Go to, go to, go to the right and, and you'll go through some letters from Thessalonians and you'll get to 1 Timothy, strategically placed before 2 Timothy. Isn't that helpful? Gosh, what if they were like several books apart? Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. Gosh, we're always wondering if it's the last days, aren't we? Well, we're about to get a description of them here. Let's see. There's going to be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. (laughs) Clearly we're not in the last days. That's nothing like us. That's nothing like the world we live in. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents. You know, that's the second time we've seen that phrase. Disobedient to parents. I mean, that doesn't seem like a huge thing in light of murder and backstabbing and fighting God and all those kinds of things that are in these lists. But, you know, this obeying parents, that's, remember how that was introduced in Scripture? It's the first command with a promise. When you obey your parents, life just goes better. But it's hard to obey parents. You know, sometimes those two people don't have a clue what they're doing. Have you ever noticed that? Just not a clue. And you don't have to be that old to figure it out. I mean, along about five or six, you'll think, they, they don't know what they're doing. And so it's real easy then for me to say, you know what, I don't, I don't need to listen to this. They're, they're kind of mean. And they don't know what they're talking about. And, and they're being unfair. You hear who keeps amening me out there. Small child, they get it right away. But see, the problem with that is I'll, go, I'll move from my parents to every authority in life. See, it's a way of thinking. You know, f- folks, guess what? Newsflash here. God knew your mom and dad didn't know everything. He knew they wouldn't always be right. He even knew they could be unfair. And he even said then, still, you know what? You obey them, it's a better path to life. You disobey them and everything breaks. Everything starts because you're going to walk out of the home and say, well, shoot, if I don't have to obey my parents, I sure don't need to listen to the cops. I sure don't need to listen to teachers. I especially don't need to listen to my boss. And we're just working our way up to where I don't need to listen to God. You know what? That, this idea here in Scripture, totally irrelevant whether you're a believer or unbeliever. Totally irrelevant whether you believe this book is the holy authoritative word of God or, or just a book of, of fairy tales and myths and legends written by a bunch of Jews wandering around in the desert a million years ago. It doesn't matter what you... This is a principle of life. Decide you don't need to listen to authority and watch things start breaking. I'm pretty sure I just started a whole other sermon there. I apologize for that. We're getting ready for Thanksgiving, not parenting. Let's get back here. So they're disobedient to parents and ungrateful. And we're back to that word again. Ungrateful. I mean, this, this, word is, this word is in a list of really bad things. I mean, on the big scheme of things, forgetting to say thank you isn't the worst sin in the world, is it? No, it's not the worst sin in the world. It's just the one that opens the door to all the others. Ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred 
They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and they will hate what is good. They will betray their friends. They'll be reckless. They'll be puffed up, puffed up with pride. And they will love pleasure rather than they love God. I don't know. I'd have to say we're dead on in the center of the end of times. Because that sure describes our world, doesn't it? Not just America. It describes the whole planet. And how do we get there? How did that happen? Man, in the heart of both of these lists, at the top of both of these lists, is something as simple as not acknowledging God. You know, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that if, if you wake up every morning and say your thank yous, you'll never sin. I, 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 don't, I don't think it's as simple as that. I mean, I, I, mean, I know that because I, I come pretty close to waking up every morning and saying thank you. I'm not perfect at it, but at more, way, way more mornings than not, I get up and I, I seek to acknowledge God and I seek to give God thanks and, and, and I've not conquered sin. I've not conquered that in my, my life. That, that, there's still issues there that need to be dealt with. But I can absolutely guarantee you that when you don't wake up and say your thank yous, sin will come flooding into your life and it will flourish. It will absolutely flourish in your life. One more passage, kind of right in the middle of your Bible, Psalm 103. Psalm 103. Aren't you grateful for Genesis, Revelations, and Psalms? They're just easy to get to, easy to find. Psalm 103. Somebody out there right now is thinking, I can't find it. He said it was simple. What's that make me? Psalm 103, right there, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of in the middle. Psalm 103, verse 1. 103, verse 1. Long psalm, just going to read the first five verses. Let all that I am bless the Lord. I love that idea. I can bless God. So often we think of it in the reverse, right? We think of God blessing us. But there is the opportunity for you, for me, to bless God. Let all that I am bless the Lord. With my whole heart, I will bless his holy name. Let all that I am bless the Lord. Man, how can I do this? May I never forget the good things he does for me. Are you starting to pick up the theme? Over and over and over in Scripture. Hey, you want to bless God? It's as simple as remembering the good things that He's done in your life. He forgives all my sins. There's no one, there's nothing else that accomplishes that, that enables that. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death. No one else, nothing else can do that. He crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. Again, a very... I mean, folks, there's some commands that are hard. This isn't... This shouldn't be that hard, right? Don't forget. Remember the good things that He's done in your life. You know, we left here last week with a challenge to bless five. And we're going to work on that between now and Thursday, right? But today we're going to leave, we're going to add one more assignment to bless one, to bless God. And and it can be as simple as acknowledging Him and giving Him thanks. Now let's break that down real quickly, a couple of ideas about how we're going to give God thanks. Number one, first thing we're going to do in giving God thanks is we're going to make a list of 50. Can you believe that? 50 
things that we are thankful for. And, and really, honestly, when I get to number two and three, you're going to see that I need you to do these 50 like by today. This has to do it during halftime, do it before you go to bed, maybe as late as tomorrow morning. But really, honestly, by the time you go wherever you're going tomorrow, you've you got to have the 50 done. Now, why, why, you say, why 50? You remember, I've, I've kind of joked, we, we kind of have within us, you know, we do this on, at Thanksgiving, right? We kind of walk around the table and everybody gives thanks for something and we call, I am thankful for you know, roof above my head and health and my family. And, and we just rattle these things off. They're the exact same things we said last Thanksgiving. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that we're not grateful for those things. I am saying it didn't take any thought to say those things. We're, we're, we're just rattling it off. The goal of 50 is to press past what I just naturally rattle off and really start thinking about what's happening, what has happened, what's going on. 50 is a little bit overwhelming, I get it. So I said, hey, maybe think of about every five as a new list. Five things I'm thankful for from God. Five things I'm thankful for in my family. Five things I'm thankful for in my church. Five things I'm thankful for the stuff I have. Five things I'm thankful for in 2017. And so, you know, just make some lists like that. Maybe help you get to that till we get to that list of 50. And when you are all done, you have not thanked God for 1% of who he is and what he has been in your life in just 2017. I believe that with all my heart. You've not thanked him for 1%. You and I will kill ourselves, scratch our heads. Some of us come to complete paralyzation about number 27. Press on. Take a break. Come back. Find the other 23. Not 1%. You know, this seems so simple. And you, oh, yeah, I do that. We don't, we don't, on our best day, we don't come close to acknowledging all he is and all he does in our lives. 50 is a super minimal way to try to start getting there. Really thinking about his protection, his guidance, his provision, who he is, what he means to us, what he's done, what he is doing, what's happened in 2017. So when I've got my list of 50, then I'm I'm ready to press on to number two. Maybe take that 50 and get it down to a list of 10. Okay, now you're looking at 50 things, you get your top 10 and you're going to carry it right around in your pocket because we're going to use that all this week. Now you'd have to think about where you use it, you know, if I was sharing this message like on July 17th. But it's Thanksgiving week. This is pretty easy, isn't it? Any chance we might use this on Thursday? And so everybody's running around giving their little things they're thankful for on Thanksgiving Day. And boom, you've got your list of top ten. You're ready to go. Listen to him. He is so close to God. I'm really, I'm setting you up to look good on Thanksgiving Day, okay? You're going to you pull your list out. You've worked on it. You've got your top ten. Look for places, though. Yeah, Thanksgiving Day is easy, but maybe some other places throughout the week that you're going to share with family, with friends, with people in your life what you're grateful for. Folks, do you realize you and I are commanded to do this? A couple of weeks ago when we were talking about confession, I actually made the same point about confession that I did about thankfulness. When I'm confessing, it's real easy for me just to rattle off four or five sins. I know these things are normally issues in my life. And I can, I can kind of rattle them off without a whole lot of thought and without a whole lot of repentance. And, and we don't, we're not even aware of all the places we're ignoring God, 
never even thinking about what he's called us to do. This might be one of those places. He has commanded you and I, not just on Thanksgiving Day, he has commanded us to live in a way where a regular discipline of our lives is sharing with each other what we're grateful for, what God has done, how he's moved. And do you know why he tells us to do that? Because every one of us goes through places in our life and seasons in our life where God is just silent. I, I can't tell if God hears my prayers. I don't know if God cares that I'm praying. We can't hear him. We can't see him. And you know what? If I go through a season like that and I'm, I'm not really connected with God's people, I'm not really around a group of people that are doing this, man, my faith can really start to waver. It can start to bleed. It, it can kind of get paralyzed. They're just laying on the floor. And folks, a lot of believers never get up from that moment. But, but if I have relationships in my life where we do this for one another, even when I'm going through a season of silence, even when I can't see what God might be doing, I, I hear people around me saying, oh man, God answered prayer, oh God is doing this, oh I'm grateful for this, and it reminds me and it feeds my faith, and it, hey, it reminds me, hey, there was a time when I was encouraging them with telling them the good things that God is doing in my life. This is not a neat idea. Hey, dress up like a pilgrim and tell each other what you're thankful for. This isn't a cute thing to do. This is a way to live life 52 weeks a year. Hey, you know what? This would be one of the reasons we get into life groups. You know, we go into life group, what's it? I have a praise. What's, what, what is raising my hand saying I have a praise? It's obeying this. It's telling each other. We've got, we've got to get in those places in life. Now, number three actually is pretty much the same as number two, except I'm actually asking God to guide me to somebody I could share something off my top ten with that I wouldn't normally share that with. It's not that I'm afraid to share it. It's, it's not that I won't share it. It's just not, you know, there, there, there's people you kind of talk about with that. Hey, God answered my prayer. Hey, God's doing this. Or man, man, God just laid on my heart and I saw the way he's just been faithful through this year. You, you have people for whom that conversation's kind of natural, right? But you've got people who are going to walk by you all this week who desperately need to know number eight on your list. You just wouldn't imagine what it could be for them, what, they, what, what that could mean in their life if I would share number three. I don't know who that person is, and I don't know what number it is. That's why I'm going to ask God. God, would you help me? Would you guide me? Make my, you, know how we're gonna, you know how God's going to make a sense of this? You just listen to conversations going on. It might be with a total stranger. It might be the, the cashier at Publix. We've got to say Publix now, all these new grocery stores to keep up with. It might be what the cashier is saying. It, it, it might be somebody that I normally wouldn't share this stuff, but I work with them every day or, or, or go to school with them every day. There's people all around you that really need to hear you share what you're thankful for. And I really believe it takes you and I to the best holiday ever. Confess, bless, and thankfulness. I'll be honest with you folks. I, I don't believe that's just a path. 
to a good end of November and December, I think that's a path to the best life ever. I, I think that's a path to the blessed life. And you, you know what excites me about those three words is I can do it. I, I can do those three things. You ever wanted to do something at work or on the ball field or in the classroom? And just, guys, for the love of God, you just don't have that ability. You don't have that skill. You, hey, you want to be successful? You've got to do that. I can't, I can't figure that out. I'm not good at that. Folks, God is offering you the best ever. It's out there for you. And he didn't put a bunch of steps you couldn't do. It doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, how good you are, how bad you are. Every single one of us can do these three things. We can confess and bless and, boy, just acknowledge him. You can't acknowledge him too much. List of 50 isn't going to put you over the top. Acknowledge him and give him thanks. It'll set you right in the center of his will. Right in the center of his presence. Where there is light. And there is guidance. And there is strength. And there is hope. That is just everything we need. There's just everything we need right there. Boy, he's good. We should thank him, huh? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you, you, you've not put us down here to stumble around in the dark and to cla- scratch and to claw trying to figure life out. You haven't given us a code to break. There's not some mystery and secret in your word or in the stars or, or anywhere else that if we can figure out the secret. No, God, you, you mapped it out. And you, you mapped it out with things that we can do. Oh, Lord, I, I, whether we've been working on this all month or whether today's the first time we're hearing this, I, I would pray for each of us such a, a rich and intimate week with you where we just continue to build on, on confessing, on, on blessing, and on, on being thankful. And, Lord, I do pray for every person in this room, everybody watching us online. God, I, I pray for each of us the best holidays ever. I don't know what that would be, what that would look like in each of our lives. But ultimately, I know it's you. It's you in our life. It's you in our home. It's you in our relationships. It's you in the midst of that darkness and that difficulty. It's, it's you in the midst of that celebration. I pray for every one of us, the best holiday season ever. We ask this all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.